Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. G'day, my name's Emma and I am the founder of Pippin Girl. Do you have a teen girl in your life? Mamas, dads, sisters, aunties, teachers, counsellors, youth workers, we are talking to you. Pippin Girl is a platform and publication passionate about providing fair dinkum, wonderful resources to empower you and that bright young girl in your life as you navigate the beautiful, sometimes hairy, journey to womanhood. We cover anatomy, puberty, health, body image, relationships, but most of all encourage your girl to treasure and take care of that remarkable body of hers. Join us in creating a healthier world for the next generation of girls. Jump on our website, www.pippingirl.com.au to check out our cool, fun and pretty resources or follow us on Instagram to find out more about who we are. Have a good one, lovely, and enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Parenthood. Friday Parenthood Day it is. I'm Renee. I'm so glad that you've come to join me today. I really appreciate every single person that would take the time to um, jump on their Spotify or Apple and press play and come and listen. And um, I love to be able to help people. And I'm loving all of the feedback I'm getting from these Parenthood episodes because it's just helping so many of you parents out there. Plus, I have a lot of people who are not parents yet who are like, Renee, I love listening. I'm learning. I say kudos to you um, because that's what I did. I actually did my research and learnt about being a parent before I was ever a parent, which I have talked about before. So if you're new, welcome. I'm really glad you're here. Um, We have reached over 60,000 downloads already, which I'm honestly super grateful for. Um, And thank you to everyone that's continuing to rate and review also. Like the five-star reviews are helpful, but the written reviews are amazing and I really appreciate it. Okay. Now I know I say this every week, but you are going to want to listen to today's podcast. You are going to want to share it with every parent that you know, especially those that have perhaps got newborns. What if I told you that there is a tried, true, and trusted way of getting your babies to sleep through the night roughly by about three three months of age, right? Would you be like, oh my gosh, yes, please let me add it. Well, that is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how to get your baby absolutely sleeping like a dream through the night by roughly about three months of age. Now, I'm still surprised to this day at the amount of mums who would, you know, put out there on social media, I'm I'm so tired, I'm having so much trouble, my baby's not sleeping or my toddler's not sleeping. And myself and a lot of my friends, by the way, who all have done this method and it's worked time and time and time again, will be like, hey, inbox me, I'll help you, you know, been there, done that nope, nope, never hear from them. And that always surprises me. I'm like, guys, if you've got someone who's down the road ahead of you and they've done something that's worked and they're a good parent and you can see that their kids are good kids, for goodness sakes, go and ask them what they did. I don't know why. I have no idea. Please, please let me know if 
you can work out why some young mums don't when they know clearly. There are people like me that are like, hello, this absolutely works. Why don't you try doing this? I don't know why people don't take us up on it. But you obviously are going to because you are here listening and my heart is to absolutely help you. So we are going to unpack how can you get your baby and why should you get your baby sleeping well as quickly as you can. Now, you might not agree with this method and that's okay too. The only thing I ask would be, number one, just be open-minded um, because this is something, whether you agree to or not, uh, works. It has worked. I've seen it work over and over and over and over and over again. And the other thing I would ask is that you ask yourself, is what you are doing now working? So it's okay for you to go, I don't like that method, but if you've got a baby or a toddler that's not sleeping well at night, then I'd be a little bit probably humble and go, mm, maybe I should try something else. However, if you are out there and you have used a strategy that worked for you to get your child or maybe multiple children sleeping through the night, if it's different from the strategy I'm about to share, I would love to hear about it. So come along and let me know in my DMs on girlnextdoor.podcast on Instagram. Also, just let me clarify that if your baby has any medical issues or even, you know, something like colic or reflux, which is so, can be so difficult to deal with, that can clearly affect their sleeping patterns. Okay. So that needs to be sorted out with a professional first, because you need to treat that before you can, you know, expect a baby to be sleeping, especially if they're in some sort of pain or there's a medical reason why they're not sleeping. Now, the reason I love this strategy is because I have seen the fruit of it over decades for anyone who uses it. Like, it works. It plain out works. You need to share this with every young mum or dad that you know. And no matter the personality of your child, this strategy works. It worked for all three of my children. It worked for all of my friends' children who used it. Um, even recently, I've got two mums in our church who've used this method. And again, it's worked. And they've got five children between them and it's worked. Um, and besides that, I have seen person after person using it. So let me explain also the premise that I'm working from, a couple of things that I believe when it comes to sleep. One is this, your baby needs sleep. Your baby, all babies need unbroken full night's sleep. The second premise I'm coming from is, of course, and I know you will all agree with this, you as the parents will function better if you get more sleep sleep deprivation is cruel. <laughs> so difficult not to sleep. Thirdly, another premise I'm working from is uh, you as a couple, if you're married, you as a couple, you need some sanity. It's important to your marriage um, that you're not living the next five, six, seven years or however long it is that you've got little ones in your house. It's important that you're not living in chaos with sleep deprivation um, that's not good for you guys and for your marriage. And finally, I am a firm believer that sleep is something that you actually have to teach. Uh, you know, when people say things like, oh, you're so lucky, your baby sleeps through the night, you, you know, you've hit the jackpot. No, 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 no. 
I worked hard at it. And um, look, every now and then you will get a baby who just naturally sleeps through the night, but for most of them, they don't. And it's something we need to train. And that might be a surprise to some of you. You might think, oh my gosh, I did not think that I needed to train my baby to sleep, but, but we do. We need to teach our children how to sleep. Okay, so I want to focus today on nighttime sleep. Okay, so I will at a later stage and soon address day naps as well because these are also important. But again, I hear a lot of parents say, oh, my child is not a sleeper and they won't sleep in the day. And I disagree with that also because children actually, depending on their age, need day sleeps as well. So again, that comes down to training. All right, so let's look at this. Let's answer this question first why sleep is so important. Because I think when we understand how important sleep is to a baby, um, it helps us to be more determined to teach it to them. So let's unpack a couple of things about sleep. Sleep during the first year of a baby's life is absolutely critical. And the reason is, well, there's lots of reasons, but the human growth hormone is released during sleep. Okay, so they need sleep. To grow well. So just let me say that again. When a baby is sleeping, particularly in their first year, a human growth hormone is released. So the baby needs sleep to grow well. Now, we're not just talking about the quantity of sleep, but also the quality of their sleep is important. Also, babies who sleep better are more content and more alert. Now, when my kids were little, constantly People would comment all the time for all three of them how happy our kids were. And part of that was because they weren't grumpy and tired. They were getting proper sleep. Now, another reason is better sleep. And, you know, you could work this out for adults. So if it's true for adults and for children, it's definitely true for babies. But better sleep promotes better learning. Now, in 1925, so this is research that's been going on for over 100 years almost 100 years. In 1925, there was a man by the name of Dr. Lewis Terman, and he did a study on factors that affect people's IQ. And it's a study, by the way, that still is unchallenged today. So he looked at 3,000 children who all had a high IQ, and he found one common link. All of them experienced healthy and sustained nighttime sleep from early infancy. So get that. So all 3,000 children who had high IQ all experienced healthy and sustained nighttime sleep from early infancy. Now, this study was repeated again in Canada in 1983, and they were repeated and the exact same conclusions were reached. So children with healthy sleep patterns have higher IQs than children who did not sleep well. Now, the same doctor and doctors that redid the study said that disrupted sleep not only affects their nights, but disrupts their day as well. So when they don't get good sleep at night, it actually affects their daytime by making them less mentally alert, more inattentive, unable to concentrate, easily distracted, more physically impulsive, hyperactive, or alternatively lazy. So that's really interesting. Also, and I cannot state this enough, I cannot state this enough, When you teach proper sleep patterns when they are young, 
it actually establishes healthy sleep patterns for the rest of their life. To this day, all three of my kids are brilliant nighttime sleepers. I never have had an issue with any of them. Very rarely, unless they were sick or they had a bad dream, my kids would never wake up at nighttime. Now, I had a friend, by the way, who didn't know about this method with her first child, but used it with the second two. And again, her first one, who's now like a young adult, still has trouble with her sleep patterns and her two boys don't. So that's just interesting. Okay, so there's some of the reasons why our babies need sleep. So let's look at what babies are capable of. Now, this surprises a lot of people. It also kind of aggravates some people if they haven't been able to get their child to achieve this, but it doesn't make it true nonetheless. Now, healthy full-term babies, okay, so just remember that healthy, full, we're not talking preemie babies or sick babies, but healthy full-term babies are born with the capacity to have, get this, seven to eight hours of continuous nighttime sleep between seven to 10 weeks of age. And by the time they're three months of age, they are capable of sleeping 10 to 12 hours continuously. Now, I hear a lot of um, parents who, who think that their three-month-old still needs to be constantly fed during the night, but physically, they actually don't need it. If they're getting proper nutrition in the day, um, then apparently babies can be f- uh, f- fully capable of sleeping 10 to 12 hours, which my kids all did by three months. I think Liam might have taken a few extra weeks, but he was my <laughs> he was also my tanty thrower, um, and I had to be pretty persistent with him. Now, a lot of parents go into parenthood being told that some babies are naturally better sleepers than others, and that is true, and that some do sleep through the night early on with no intervention. But let me tell you, you can and should expect your baby to acquire the skill of sleeping through the night if you guide them and roughly by about three months of age. So that should be good news, right? Some of you who maybe are driving right now listening and thinking I'm so exhausted because I've got a newborn, tell me more. Okay. Now this method is based on what's known as parent-directed feeding. Okay. And I know you might be thinking, what, why are you talking about feeding when we're talking about sleeping? Now, some mothers thrive on you know, a different style of parenting. They they do, they thrive more on the demand style, but a lot of parents find this exhausting. So basically the options are that number one, you do more child-led or demand feeding, which is feeding every time the baby has a hunger cue, such as crying, sucking, etc. And there's no consistency here and the child becomes the parent's cue. Or the second option is the complete opposite, and I'm not talking about this one either, but that's clock feeding. That's the opposite, where it's purely the clock that determines when the baby is fed and hunger cues are not taken into consideration. What I want to talk about today is kind of a mixture in between the two. So this PDF, parent-directed feeding, this alternative is where we use both, um, we assess the baby's needs based on both the hunger cues and we consider the time. So it's a bit of a mixture between the two. So this style of, um, this method is a great balance because it's got enough structure to bring security and order to a baby's world, but it's still flexible for you as a parent. Um, 
The other thing too, I loved this method because when I left the hospital, I just felt confident that I knew what I was doing because I felt like I had a plan that made sense to me. So I was never guessing. I just felt confident when I took Georgia home. Okay. So what am I talking about feeding for when this is about sleeping? And that's because good sleep patterns, which by the way, include good day naps too, are actually the end result of consistent feeding. Okay. So when we talk about sleep patterns, we we have to start with feeding routines because nighttime sleep is the result of good consistent feeding during the day. Okay. Big reveal. We're 15 minutes in and I'm just I'm just now revealing to you what is this method? Um, what's the essential key element to training your child to sleep through the night? And it's found in this simple routine. And some of you are going to be like, what? Isn't that so easy? And apparently it is rocket science. But honestly, when you get this down pat, it's amazing. It is a cycle of feed, wake, sleep. Okay. Get those three through your mind. It's purely following this cycle of feed, wake, sleep, feed, wake, sleep. So the key to nighttime sleep is in following that routine, feed, wake, sleep during the day. And it has to be in that order. And that's what people get wrong. They get wrong the consistency part and they get wrong the order. So the order has to be that feed, wake, sleep, feed, wake, sleep, and it needs to be consistent. Okay. So first up the, you, you take the baby out there, you know, they're asleep. So you take the baby out of the bed, they feed, then they have wake or playtime. And then that's followed by going back to sleep again. So what happens is this actually helps a baby's hunger patterns to stabilize. Now, the consistency of doing this pattern is what helps to stabilize this cycle of feed, wake, sleep. So it has to be in that order and it has to be repeated all day long. So I'll give you an example in a moment of what your day might look like. So the more consistent this routine becomes during the day, the quicker a baby will organize their internal rhythms and they'll start sleeping through the night. And the second thing that's important, so the first is it has to be in that order and consistently. And secondly, the quality of each activity is really important. So for example, when it comes to feeding time, trying to get in a full feed is really important, which is really hard when they're a newborn and they're so sleepy. But trying to make it a full feed as opposed to a partial feed because full nutrition means better wake time, which means better sleep time. Okay. So a baby does not know the difference between day and night. They do not come into the world going, oh, it's daytime. I'm going to have short naps and stay awake. And oh, look, it's nighttime. I'm going to sleep through. They don't come into the world with that natural internal rhythm. So what you end up with sometimes is babies that are awake all night and then sleep in the day which is exhausting. So the key is to help babies learn the difference. So in the daytime, this is this is what you have to do. In the daytime, you stick to that feed, wake, sleep cycle, okay? Feed, wake, sleep, feed, wake, sleep. And yes, that means waking them from a sleep, okay? That means waking them from a sleep in the daytime. Then at nighttime, 
you don't wake them. So in the day, feed, wake, sleep, feed, wake, sleep, feed, wake, sleep. Then at night, you just let them sleep and you don't wake them up for a feed. So you let them wake naturally at night. But even then, if they wake naturally at night, you just keep everything dark, don't stimulate them, give them a quick feed, wrap them back up, pop them straight back to bed. And I promise you, one morning you're going to wake up and think, what the heck? It's morning and I just slept all night long and the baby didn't wake up. Oh my gosh. And then you need to celebrate and go out and have a coffee, (laughs) a decaf. (laughs) So let me give you an example of what this uh, could look like in a day, depending on the age of your baby and the weight of your baby. So let me use Georgia as an example. She was tiny when she was born. She was only five pound nine because um, I had what's called interuterine growth retardation, weirdest name ever. Basically, she stopped growing. So she was tiny and very sleepy. So I fed her every three hours. So the time is not so much important as the consistency, but I still tried to keep a fairly consistent um, time frame as well. So if she was to be fed every three hours roughly, then I would be feeding her roughly at seven in the morning. But again, depending when she woke, like if she woke at six, then the day started at six, but seven o'clock, 10 o'clock, one o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock, And then when she was really little, I would still do that last feed at 10. But again, I wouldn't stimulate her. I kept it dark. And then after I put her down after her 10 o'clock feed, I didn't wake her after that. I let her wake naturally. And then by the time she was about 10 weeks of age, I dropped that 10 o'clock feed. And I thought, you know what? No, no, I think maybe she was 10 weeks, might have been 12 weeks. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to drop that 10 o'clock feed. Um, and so, no, she would have been after 12 weeks, sorry. I dropped that last 10 o'clock feed because by then I knew she was capable of sleeping 12 hours. And she did. She was like dream baby. So how would my day look? So roughly I would say uh, she would usually wake naturally in the morning, say at seven-ish, I would feed her. Then I would, because feed time took a while, I would try to keep her awake till about eight or 8.30 Then I would put her back to bed by 8.30. And by the way, and I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, I did not help her go to sleep. I didn't give her any, I didn't, I didn't, I I wrapped her and I said no night, but I didn't rock her. I didn't play white noise. I didn't do any of that. I just put her into bed. The best thing to do is to put them into bed awake so they learn to fall to sleep on their own. But I'll do a podcast on that one because that takes a whole different session. So put her to sleep at 8.30. Then her next feed was due roughly around 10. If she woke before that, I would try and just, um, I would keep her in her bed and just let her lay in her bed. Or I might, it's best not to get them up, but I would try and stretch her as long as she could towards 10. Then I would feed her again at 10, give her some wake time, bit of play time, and then back to bed at 11.30. Then again, I would get her up at one. Again, if she woke naturally, I would try and stretch her out and not feed her until one. Um, uh, Unless I thought she was starving hungry. You get to know that as a parent. Uh, Then she would have some wake time, back to sleep at 2.30. Then I'd get her up again at four, feed her, wake time. She'd usually have a cat nap about 5.30, although I used to find at 5.30, this is when she'd cry a lot for some reason. It was horrible. Um, so that was when it was like, help, Cameron needs to be home to help her while I hold her, while I make dinner. 
Then at seven o'clock, I'd feed her again and I'd put her straight to bed. I didn't give her wake time. It was seven o'clock feed straight to bed. And then I would, I would wake her quietly for the 10 o'clock feed, the dream feed, and then put her back to bed and not wake her. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm spitting a lot of info at you, but I'm trying to say the same thing over and over. It's the whole pattern, feed, wake, sleep. The key being try and wake them up at regular feed times or stretch them out to that time if you can. Feed them. Try not to let them go back to sleep. Give them a bit of wake time. Put them to bed awake so they fall to sleep naturally and you do that same pattern over and over. If I was out... Her sleep time was in her pram and I would put like a blanket over the pram. So she kind of, that was kind of, I guess, like a cue to her because she wasn't in her bed. Now, what I used to find the hardest about this was if she was in a deep sleep in the day, you feel so awful waking them. I remember sometimes she would be so out to it. And sometimes my mom or my mother-in-law would be there and I'd be like, oh, it's, it's feed time. And I would go and wake her up. And they thought I was so mean, but I did it because I knew that I was following this pattern. Cause otherwise what might happen is if I let her, she might've slept for four hours, like longer, four and a half or five hours. But if you do that, you end up having a baby that is awake at night and sleeps in the day. So I thought I didn't want her to get mixed up with her days and nights. Now, if she was really, really out of it, I would let her sleep a bit longer. It wasn't like, I wasn't clock feeding, so I wasn't being uh, dominated by the clock. So I'd let her sleep a bit longer, but no more than maybe a half an hour. And even though I, I felt bad, I understood that I was helping her to train her to have day-night time and to have proper uh, hunger times and to help establish her hunger times and her sleep times. So, you know, often, like I said, if you let them sleep too long in the day, they end up being awake at night. Okay. So don't feel bad about it. Just gently rouse them. And, um, because what eventually will happen if you keep doing that, they end up falling into this pattern by themselves and you end up with a really good napper in the day and a child that fully sleeps through the night at nighttime. My kids, all three of them were such good sleepers at night. I could literally vacuum in their rooms, all three of them. I could vacuum in their rooms and they would not wake up. Someone could ring the doorbell and they would not wake up. Like I, I purposely didn't keep the house dead quiet at night because we often had people over and I thought, oh, I don't want my kids to only sleep if it's dead quiet. And so I taught them to sleep in all of those different circumstances and like I said also, but I will do a whole other podcast because we've run out of time, but it's really important not to use sleep props because once you use sleep props, at what stage are you going to take that prop away um, to teach them to sleep by themselves? But I feel like that deserves a whole other podcast. So there you go. That's kind of basically it for a really, I know we've only had kind of 25 minutes to go through that and there's so many different issues and you just get one routine down pat and then they grow that bit older and they, you know, their feeding time might go from three hours to four hours or from four to four and a half. And you're like, oh, now I have to redo the routine. So don't get so hung up on the times, but just, just try and make sure you do that pattern consistently, feed, wake, play, sleep.
Say it with me. Say it with me in the car, guys, or wherever you are. Feed, wake, play, sleep. And remember, try and make sure that when you put them to bed, you put them to bed awake so that they learn to fall asleep by themselves. And some of you might be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Does this work? I promise you, I promise you this works. Everybody I know who did this, unless their child had a medical reason, it worked. And like I said, all three of my kids, this worked. So I promise. And not only will you get your sleep and your sanity back, but you are teaching your children to have great sleep patterns the rest of their life. It's actually a gift. So there we go. So if you have any questions about this, please feel free to come along and DM me. Um, because like I always say, I love chatting with people. I chat with people all the time in my DMs. I get all sorts of questions and, um, and so many of you will be like, oh my gosh, I tried what you said and it works. So yeah, so come along and chat with me because I'd love to help you out. And like I said, if you've got another strategy that worked, I'd love to hear about that too. Anyway, have the most wonderful week. Uh, go and try this and, um, let me know how you go. And I will see you next Wednesday on Girl Next Door. I look forward to being with you then. Bye.